Hello and welcome to another episode of The Novel Brain with Dr. E. So this is episode 35 and I'll be talking to you on a personal level about how to turn your practices of everyday life into patterns that work for you. All right, so let's just jump in. We're about ready to hit the new year. One of the reasons why I wanted to do this particular topic on this episode is that a lot of people make a lot of resolutions as they approach the new year. And then what happens is probably about six, seven days into those, that uh, new year, we start to think, where am I with that? And did I even follow through? And then you start to feel bad. So the end result is good intentions, bad follow through. And typically that's because we set ourselves up. So it's not that I'm asking you to make just smaller goals, but I'm going to ask you to make reasonable goals and think about what it is that you're trying to achieve. So we all know that things just aren't built overnight, and what we need to do is start thinking about the skills that it takes versus just coming to the goal and making that happen, because things just really don't work that way. They don't just kind of appear in front of us and all of a sudden our intention becomes reality. So it's important to remember it's sort of like baking. And if you're a baker, which I know there's some bakers out there, I would say you can't skip any ingredients. You can't skip any of the time that it takes to put into the uh, result that you want. And you really have to kind of care and tend to the ingredients prior to even making that happen and making that into, like, say, for example, a cake or a pie. I personally am not a baker, but I do a lot of cooking, so it's also the same thing. However, cooking can be a little different. You have a little bit more control, or you think you may have control over that which you are making, but you still need to back up and respect the process, and that's what this is all about. So turning your practices into everyday sort of practices into patterns would really require you to understand the why. So once you understand the why of what you do, you can start to explore your beliefs and fears in what you do. So you do need to know your beliefs and fears because they're perfectly positioned to either dismantle your goals or sort of unconsciously support your goals. And you have to think of it as sort of like suspenders. I don't know anybody wears suspenders today, but I used to as a kid. I mean, maybe I was an awkward, interesting kid. <laughs> I know I used to wear skinny ties too. So this isn't about my fashion sense. But it is about what it is that you use to support, say, for example, your pants. This is a very, very practical thing. We wear pants mostly, I think, every day. And if you do wear pants, you need to support them. If you wear a belt or suspenders. Suspenders are kind of a more, uh, I think, maybe appropriate or colorful sort of metaphor as you have to actually put them over your shoulders. So in order to wear suspenders, they have to be the right size. They have to feel comfortable. They have to fit over your arms. So they have to be catered to you. And that's what I want your beliefs and your fears to be. Yeah, these are sort of I guess, things that will be there even when you're not thinking, and that is your unconscious. The things that happen and occur to you in your daily lives seem to happen because of your behaviors, 
but your behaviors don't really happen on their own. They're guided and formed by these unconscious beliefs and these fears. So the first thing I want you to think about is taking, say, for example, an activity um, that you want to become more of a pattern. And so you have to think about it in a way that these patterns will eventually make pathways that are created in the brain. That is when you know a pattern has been created, is when you now have neural pathways that makes it very simple for you to unconsciously do that task. So let's take, for example, driving. When we first drove a car, it was probably very exciting, mostly because it was novel and also because, you know, it required a lot of new activity, but also, you know, you're going fast and you know, you're finally in this vehicle after 16 years and here you are driving down the road doing something that you saw happen, but you didn't know what it was until you did it, and then practiced it daily, all the different steps. Back when I was, I guess, working on driver's ed in the 80s, I do remember having a stick shift car and thinking, wow, this is cool, but I didn't have any other way of thinking about it. And I also thought, look at all the things that I have to do. I have to kind of focus on the clutch, and I have to focus on the five speed and then like put it in reverse and the right slot. I miss those days. Just, you know, the feeling wasn't so automatic and then you had to actually create the uh, pattern or behavior of driving. So I, I personally feel that cars should go back to that because um, I think a lot of people are just kind of like sleeping in their cars, which I think we all know is not a good idea. Um, Self-driving cars, I'm not going to get into that on this, this episode, but um, Certainly one of the things that kind of maybe gives you the metaphor of how a pattern is created. You really have to work on it and you have to give it practice. So that's one example. Another one that I personally have um, been working on for many, many years of my life is playing a musical instrument and just practicing it daily to the point where there are things that become a muscle memory and there are things that become sort of this unconscious memory, like a feeling. And when you combine those that feeling with this muscle memory, you now are creating music and oftentimes put into another state of flow, which for many of you who know, I've met um, the former, uh, now passed away, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, who's the author of Flow, which was actually written on my birth year, so back in the day, <laughs> in the olden days, they should say. Um, that, that's when I met, I didn't meet him in the 70s, but I met him in the early aughts and uh, later developed kind of a relationship with this man. He's a Hungarian psychologist. Um, and he said, describe flow. And this is, this is why I think it's so important to turn your practice into patterns is because once they become this sort of unconscious pattern, you now have tapped into flow, which is this effortless, beautiful sort of state of creating and expanding your own mind into thinking, or not thinking, I should say, not so much thinking, but just creating that which you're trying to achieve. It might be a, a masterpiece that you're working on, or maybe just a small, like a sonnet or a poem. Any of these things uh, do apply. The idea is to take these practices that you have and make them become automatic, so that they're running in the background and you're unconscious. Um, sometimes we 
might even identify with going to sleep on something. Maybe a decision that you need to make. Or maybe you studied for hours on end. You don't think you're confident with the material, but you just feel like you should sleep on it. Because something in the background is running the show, is running unconscious, um, could be working to your advantage when you wake up. And you might go to the test. And for some some odd reason, you feel like you know the material. Well, you do have to have that processing time. That's a whole other episode altogether. But to take something like a practice and turn it into a pattern, you have to understand the process, which does involve a degree of sitting on things and letting them it sort of, I guess, evolve, letting them sit. You probably hear artists talk about this a lot, and sometimes... You may even hear some people just kind of create in their sleep in some ways. And I've known that to happen um, with friends of mine. I've known that to happen with myself even, where um, it seems to come out of nowhere sometimes. That's your running unconscious. I want you to remember that. Now, fear is what stops us. This is the not-so-useful habit or pattern. And we tell ourselves that we are, say, unlovable. We're just not any good. Or... We're not strong enough, or we're not going to be able to do that. We just don't have that kind of strength. Well, in order to knock that fear straight out of the court, where it's not even in existence anymore, you have to remember this one key thought. And that is also a practice that is called awareness. You have to be aware of your negative patterns. You have to be aware of your negative thoughts. And you have to be deeply aware and invested in decoding your negative beliefs. So you have to ask yourself with these patterns, thoughts, and beliefs. Do I ever take ownership of the things that I've done, good or bad? We often color our world into thinking, okay, we have to remember the positives because therefore we're a good person, we did the right thing, we helped humanity, we're positive people, and then we kind of shun and disregard the things that we might have done that were negative, or the things that didn't turn out very well, or the things that just you didn't achieve and you, you started but didn't finish. And the problem with this is that that's not growth. What you're doing is you're sort of just picking and choosing this cream of the crop type of stuff that you've done, but you're ignoring and maybe even just kind of putting in your shadow future reference, that will be an entire episode in itself, putting in your shadow this, this sort of dark stuff, the stuff that you don't want to acknowledge, you don't want to take ownership. But the important thing here and the critical piece is that you take ownership, and then taking that ownership, you have to understand that you have no regrets, that no matter what happens, all right, you messed the cake up, you, know, you forgot vanilla extract, so it doesn't taste great. Well, I don't know. It doesn't seem like the end of the world. You, you could certainly make another cake. Or you just could flavor it in a different way after you're done. These are the things that we just want to look at. We don't want to regret things. We also don't want to just stop and say, I didn't do that. You have to take full ownership of the things that you've done. The next thing I want you to do is to think about the last time you might have been in an argument, disagreement, or some uncomfortable situation with yourself, maybe a loved one, 
Uh, maybe you were with your partner and you said something ridiculous and and then it turned to some fight and then you just kind of thought, oh, well, the easy way out of this is if I just blame them for starting the fight or maybe I can just blame them for doing something else that, that I didn't tell them about or maybe I can just deflect because after all, blaming is deflection. I can just blame them for all my misbehavior and that's going to solve everything. Well, you all know that that's not right methodology but it is kind of our default we don't want to also think that we're the cause of these problems because we aren't growing if we are but the truth is is that you know the acknowledgement of this mistake the acknowledgement of some kind of misbehavior is what's actually going to help your relationship grow and your relationship with yourself not to mention your partner will be a lot happier with you when you have this sort of approach towards your own life. <clears throat> Ownership itself is huge. Creating positive patterns of intention is the next area that I want to talk about because this is the personal responsibility that kind of goes hand in hand with growth. Do you want to create these positive patterns that not just replace, but sort of supersede these negative patterns, because these negative patterns are there. Every single 8.2 billion person on this planet has negative patterns. They innately are actually there when you're born. You develop negative patterns by sort of negative adaptive sort of ways of approaching life. And if you think about crying, well, crying could just be thought of as annoying, but it's, it's actually, you know, why do people cry? Well, they need something. They're lacking something, and maybe if you lack something long enough, you start to develop some kind of pattern. So it is just kind of innately the way the world is. So take those negative creative, or I'm sorry, negative patterns, and turn them, create them into positive patterns to supersede those negatives. So research says that you can basically come up with any kind of task that you're working on. And I know there's a 10,000 hour theory out there for musicians and artists to work on their craft for 10,000 hours and become some kind of genius, but there's really no complete truth to that. I mean, logging the hours for something would be all too sort of scientific and, and very much specifically based on hours, and I think a lot of this has a lot more to do with unconscious drive. I, I, I feel like I'm a little bit more of a union when it comes to listening to our unconscious and our collective unconscious and how that actually plays out, reflects your behavior and how you uh, behave in this world. But then there is some research out there that talks about how you stay with something, say like making your bed. Let's start with that. That's a simple task. But for many of us, it's not. But it should be a simple task because uh, there's also research that says you don't make your bed, well then you just kind of are sloppy the rest of the day. There's some kind of unspoken theory, I guess, of thinking, now I've accomplished this one task, I can move forward in my, my day. If I don't do that, I know personally, I feel as if, like, everything seems a little messy to me. Um, that could be thought of as obsessive behavior, but I don't think so. Well, let's just go back to that particular example. Research things for 66 days of doing something of that sort, like making your bed. 
This is on average because it could be anywhere between like 18 and 254 days or so. I think that was the range. Well, let's just kind of put it in this average sort of scope of like something obtainable. You make your bed for 66 days. It becomes an unconscious pattern. And now you just you pop out of bed, making your bed as you get out of bed. And I know that's what I do. I, I just really, I don't know. I guess I've done this since I was maybe 10 or even younger. I, I've done that with my two boys, and they've been trained to do that. Um, I know that sounds like kind of maybe negative terminology, like we're some kind of rat experiment. But the truth is that we are humans. We can learn. We can adapt to our environment. And, you know, we also have rules that are acceptable in our households and things that we sort of do as the norm. I find that to be a really easy one. So you parents out there who are having a hard time with Jim or Judy, you know, your son or daughter who just won't acknowledge that they need to make their bed, well, what you've done, I'm sure, is A, you probably just close their door. I just don't want to see it. You do whatever you want in your room. Or... You look in the room and you're like, oh, God, here we go again, Jim. You're a 30-year-old man in my house and your your bed looks like, I don't know, what is going on? So instead of, like, having these judgmental moments, why not just think about changing the behavior and thinking about maybe, in fact, that this is related to the way that people feel. I guess that's really the research about these positive affirmations and positive um, patterns that we're creating. So to wrap this all up, awareness comes with a choice. You take this practice and turn these negative sort of downside patterns that have been occurring in your life. Maybe it's a relationship that you keep getting into or maybe it's, I don't know, some kind of addiction even or potentially <coughs> Um, poor performance at work, you know, you're just not happy with what you're doing. These are all considered sort of negative patterns, and these are the things that we want to see as the positive ones. It's that whole adage, the whole thought of, look, I'm going to take 10 positive things, and this sounds like a bunch of woo-woo, but it's just not, you're just going to take these 10 things and you're going to actually use these, focus on these, instead of the negative ones that have kept you in a rut for all your life. And you want to think about these regrets that you've had. You want to kind of take these regrets and just one by one start to cut those out of your life. So being aware of your beliefs and your fears behind these patterns is what's important because only you can change the negative patterns and only you can make positive ones. So ultimately it comes down to awareness with intention and with practice. So I'm thinking I'm going to do a follow-up and I did get a listener ask me to do this particular topic because of the resolutions that are being made, and they've been failing with the resolutions for somewhere like 15, 20 years. And, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm not guilty of that, but I'm also saying it's very common. I think that one of the things we can do is kind of give ourselves a break because every day is a new day. Every opportunity is an opportunity of growth. And then with that growth, we can really kind of see through this, like, muck that maybe we haven't been able to define. But remember, it's very possible that you haven't been able to define this because it is in your unconscious. And oftentimes we don't know ourselves in that way. So our number one lesson for today is awareness. 
Become aware of your patterns. Become aware of your false beliefs and your false thoughts. And with that, I will leave you. This is Dr. E with the Novel Brain.